0: And we have now a podcast and uh, we have Darcy and uh, Kyle Chambers. They are the creators of the Quality Matters podcast. And uh, and, uh, please welcome Kyle and Darcy Chambers. Okay, I guess we'll start by introducing ourselves. I'm Darcy Chambers. Um, I am not in the quality field. I was kind of drugged here by my husband, Kyle. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a teacher by trade. It's all I ever wanted to do. And I taught in elementary for nine years. And the year our oldest son was going to start kindergarten, we decided I'd quit. And I had my own little quilting business at home. And so last year, he said, I really need your help with a business. And I said, OK. And I think I made him say it about three or four times over a period of a few months before (laughs) I finally said, okay. And then same thing with the podcast. He said, I want to do a podcast. And I said, okay. He said, I think we should do it together. And I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then we started talking to some people and they said, I think that's a great idea. I said, no, I don't know anything about this. He said, perfect. You can ask all the questions. So here I am hosting a quality podcast and talking in front of you guys.
1: Yeah, well, the the podcast is really cool because as far as I can tell, it is the only podcast dedicated to what we all do for a living. You know, quality management. No one else is really talking about it, trying to create this form for it. And it's not this you know, kind of off-the-wall thing that only, you know, I think there was a comment made that equality doesn't need to be just the quality engineers that give the training, right? This is about every day part of our life, and so that's really what we do. And so, you know, well, you'll see tonight that this really is absolute, every day part of our life, and, and so we really try to bring the context to it that maybe isn't always, always present in the workplace,
0: so I don't know if any of you have listened to our podcast before, but my job as the host is generally to find the topics, and since I'm not deep into the quality field, I like to find, mm-hmm. um, I guess, out-of-the-box ways that quality really applies. and. Um, We were supposed to be the later main speakers, and I guess the earlier speaker canceled, and I said, oh, sure, let me find something, and we'll – so we just prepared this real quick. Um, Actually, ASQ always has case studies. They're kind of my go-to when we need a last-minute – It's great. um, It's great. – article, and since I am a teacher by trade and education is a passion of mine, I happened to find a school district quality article that we'll discuss with you guys tonight – this one was from April of 2015, and the title was Cutting Wasteful Steps, Improving Efficiency and Contract Procurement Process Saves Chicago Public Schools Millions. So, I'm always fascinated by this because, you know, as you know, our education system is mostly funded by our taxpayer dollars. Correct. And we need to be good stewards of that money. The school districts need to be good stewards of that money. Yep. Um. So, just to remind you, it was written in 2015, so every time they talk about this many years ago was in regards to 2015. So, it says, three years ago, Chicago public school officials saw an opportunity to reinvent the way they conducted business with their vendors. Mm -hmm. Um, They found themselves scrambling to sign agreements for services and supplies, and just a little bit of background, they were the third, at this time, they were the third largest school district in the United States, serving nearly 400,000 students. It's a big deal. And a lot of our school districts in Texas are big. A lot of them are
1: right. small. <laughs> <laughs> Some are very small. <laughs> Some are this small. Um,
0: <laughs> so, but, but just think, wait, how many students is that? Uh 400,000.
1: 400,000 students. Just think about feeding these kids lunch every day. I mean, seriously, think about the logistics involved just in getting these kids lunch. And now we've got the A.C., we've got ceiling tiles popping because the roof leaks. I mean, the list of things that these folks are having to purchase just goes on and on and on.
0: Yeah, so they were talking about their difficulty in their procurement process and that in 2012 or prior to 2012, there were 202 total steps in the procurement process, which seems like a lot.
1: Just a, just a, <laughs> just a little bit. Okay, so imagine if you will, right? You get your flowchart and there's 202 boxes in your flowchart to buy stuff. Um, I would bet that stuff probably gets bought in maybe unorthodox, uncontrolled ways. Or they just keep buying from the same crappy supplier because Deg I'm there in the system. We ain't and doing that's this again. That's what happens.
0: That's what they talk about <laughs> in the article. Um, it says there's twelve sub phases and each one of those is filled with another dozen or more steps to complete. Um, they were kind of scrambling. The administrators met monthly and they would submit their report prior to the monthly meeting, but it had to go through all these different channels they need 17 signatures and nobody knew where the report was and the process um so they've got this guy sebastian delongo who was the chief procurement officer and he says this is taking forever nobody knows where it is we got to have 17 signatures at 202 steps we got to do something better
1: now imagine 17 signatures and again let's just let's just go to lunch i mean that that's a lot of signatures for some really crappy pizza (laughs)
0: for the kids yes um so Longo was hired with a purpose to build a better process um for years the staff had merely been seeking to comply with the rules rather than seeking any value um to following the process
1: I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a kind of a a tangent here (laughs) he
0: kind of starred this and put an arrow yes I did he was gonna
1: (laughs) 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 um when when you have a process right yes it's it's important to follow the process but i I think something was mentioned earlier tonight about this already is why why are we doing it this way is there any value to the way that we're getting this done yes maybe it it works and maybe yes it ensures that all of these legal concerns that got brought up which i'm sure that's where a lot of these you know 202 steps and 17 signatures came from is because now we've taken care of all the liabilities about who purchases and where they purchase, and supposedly maybe you're getting the best price but you really have to sit and look at it from and again we we watch this tonight from a human perspective these are people that eventually have to make this happen Um, I was in Ohio
0: and in this case they have to make it happen for our children
1: yes I I was in Ohio yesterday uh, bidding some software and so these folks are really interested in uh, some automated processes for what they're doing and it's, it's a really great notion to do it But then you really have to ask yourself, well, at what point are we automating away intuition? Are we automating away good decisions? Because if if truthfully all best practices and best decisions can be mapped fully on a flowchart – I mean, I kind of think we've had the technology to do that for a long time, and no one's been able to really successfully do it. So we really have to be careful about these things and recognize that at some point, some people really do have uh, the best input, and at some points, processes, whether the process is a, a, a flow chart that you, that you reference before you complete a process, or a, a, you know, a final sign-off meeting, or you know, maybe a vendor surveillance meeting, right? Or it's a process within a computer system. But you really have to work to find that balance. And I don't think there was no balance here.
0: Yeah. It it was not an easy process, it looks like. Um, So this guy long ago, I'm probably not saying his name right.
1: Well, he's Um, not here.
0: He's not. (laughs) So they kind of came to an agreement with Boeing, actually. And Boeing offered a pro bono team of Six Sigma professionals to help them map out a... New process, well, actually to map out their convoluted process is what they (laughs) call it. And this is
1: really hilarious.
0: It is. And I am actually, I hate when people read to me, but I'm going to read this to you word for word. Um, It was the map, their convoluted map was constructed on large panels filling an entire wall of a CPS boardroom. Chicago Public Schools, not Child (laughs) Protective Services. Um, And it was too complex to formalize, and thus a copy of the map was not available for this case study. That's crazy. I mean,
1: absolute insanity. Can you just imagine, like, let's forget the end result of the bad decisions that these people were making for these poor kids. Can you just imagine how many stinking hours these administrators and educators spent trying to navigate this convoluted, crazy system? I mean... Okay, so now we have, like, the cost of if we put an hourly rate to them, but now you have, like, this opportunity cost, right? Because if that teacher had had those 12 hours that month to do something useful for the kids, and every other teacher had the same opportunity and the administrators, I mean, you can do so much better.
0: Well, and just to go back a little bit, like Kyle was saying earlier, their process did not give them the opportunity to find best prices, for their uh supplies and whatnot and just to give you an idea Longo said take for example office supplies office supplies for us the school district is 10 million dollars that's just one one vendor they're looking for right. it's 10 million dollars so if they're not taking the time to find best prices they're wasting a lot of the taxpayers money yep so um with the six sigma team from boeing they were able to develop a three-step vision for a new system, which was plan, source, and validate. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's kind of a standard. Uh, you could interpret it, but yeah. Okay. But then Boeing said, we can't continue to provide this for you. We're not going to do this. We can't go the long haul. So they, the school district had to hire somebody named um, George Chimmers. Um, he was very invested in this job. His mother taught for 28 years for the school district, so they got... A good guy. He's a quality consultant. Um, so he was ready to go. He said getting the staff on board was super easy. I bet. They all knew they needed a process. They were tired of not knowing where the report which was. Which <laughs> is
1: oftentimes the hardest part of the process. Exactly. So but he had
0: an easy go he had, there. Get a good end. Um, they kind of went through the discovery process. I'll skip all that. They made a fishbone diagram, which yes. Kyle highlighted. Yeah. Did you want to say anything about that? No. No, we can move on. Okay. They made a fishbone (laughs) diagram. I was going to try to make a little slide, but
1: we didn't have enough time.
0: So, um, the mapping uncovered various problems with the process, including many rework loops, approvals within each functional group, redundant tasks. (laughs) I can speak from experience on that. A lot. (laughs) Um, uh, More redundant tasks, (laughs) lack of expectations and communications, and conflicting timelines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the first thing they did was talk about their fiscal year. They operated on a fiscal year from July 1st to June 30th, and they decided to go ahead and add three months to that fiscal year because school districts are out for the summer. So when you consider June, July, and August as part of the fiscal year, they're not really working. So they said, let's go ahead and continue this and add it in, yeah. and then you'll have more time to discuss with you, what you need. It ensured some continuity and gave them a six-month Forecast.
1: That's good. To That's actually very good for any organization.
0: Yeah. Then they identified some solutions. They went to the plan, source, validate plan mm-hmm. that Boeing had come up with. Um, and within that, in the planning stage, they decided to conduct an annual fiscal year budget planning meeting <laughs> to validate the needs. Right. They talked earlier in the article just like you have a budget and you know what's coming, you know you have to pay your mortgage mm-hmm. every month, you know right. you have to pay this, that. We need to plan ahead. Then evaluation committee would meet on an ad hoc basic basis to recommend where the money should be spent. Um, and department leads would sign off on the approved upon expenditures. And, then and
1: uh, you know, while well, I'm sure that this uh, consultant probably wasn't quoting directly from the, uh, the ISO standard, but that's, you know, what I work in. And, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, all the different varieties of, you know, certifications for auditors. So I first got my lead auditor in, in 2012. So I've been working with this since about 2008 though. And um, if you take a look at just the, uh, the process for supplier approval, this is one of those areas that so many organizations really stumble and, and, and fall on um, because the, the supplier approval tends to go, well, I used them at my last company, so, so they're, they're approved. Okay, I mean, maybe for a real small company, if they're, you know, depending on what they do, but generally that's a, that's a bad process. But they don't really have that process of what this approval looks like. Or if they do map the process for the approval, um, what a lot of organizations do is something, a scaled down version of what the school district here did, is they're gonna find some overly looking, complex uh, procedure or template or checklist that they found on Google. And they're going to put their logo on it, and they're going to say, "This is what we use," but it doesn't work for for your organization. You know, it, everything has to be geared towards your people and your process and your organization. And uh, we just can't slap um, cookie cutter solutions uh, onto things. And for something as what would seemingly be as simple as as procurement, right? we need it okay well well, where do we buy it from okay well that's a good price and 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 they don't stink at delivery so let's buy it from them but it 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 rarely actually works out that well yeah
0: they just weren't giving themselves enough lead time to look for those prices so of course this gave them the opportunity to find a way to lower costs yep um So it says that every year they held like a vendor, they called it a vendor fair where all the vendors would come to discuss what's going right, what's not going right. And so they were, the school district was so excited to share their new process with them. (laughs) And of course that came with mixed reviews from the vendors. The good ones were excited. Great, there's competition. We're excited to share what we like about working with you. We are excited to share what we don't like about working with you. And of course, the bad ones were like, well, this isn't fair. Like, we want to keep ripping you off, kind of a thing. <laughs> um, but the process that uh, Chimmers, Chimmers, again, I'm probably yeah. not saying his name right, the quality consultant, he reduced those mm-hmm. original 202 steps down to 92 steps. So Which it was still a, 50- a lot. But
1: we're talking about a very large system. It
0: was a system. 54% yeah. reduction. So that was pretty good. Before I think. you
1: go, go on, um, one of the problems that folks have with a new edition of ISO 9001, still three, four years later, is interested parties. We're like, well, what the heck is, is exactly is an interested party? What are internal and external issues? And people really, again, stumble over this. And then, then you're like, well, how do I engage with the interested parties? This is a great example. So you've got a lot of suppliers. You need to, to get competition. You need to know who's interested. You need to talk to people one-on-one. Well, aren't your suppliers an interested party in your organization? Well, here's a great way that they found to interact with them.
0: And I feel like school districts are the perfect organization to put on a fair. Oh, yeah. They have events for everything. That's part of their requirement (laughs) is to interact with the shareholders. Um, So in the two years since they implemented it, the school district generated $85 million in year-over-year savings.
1: That is just insane,
0: and that's what I love about the ASQ articles is that they always put that number in at the end, which is you know a tangible uh, yep. reference to yep. how this benefits people, and especially when it comes to school districts yep. and our kids. Um, well, let's just
1: pause for a minute. How, how many hours would we have to work to, you know, pay for for eighty five thousand dollars of taxpayer dollars for the you mean school 85 district million? 85 million yeah <laughs> i mean just just think about that like how, how many how many weeks of, of labor is that by the uh, citizens in the area you know if you're not turned on by the uh, the touchy-feely nature of hey we're helping the kids out like this should get your interest and
0: this is you know one of the few things i've learned about quality is you know a lot of companies will say well we don't have the money for that program you're talking about and yeah you know what do you mean you don't have the money like you just saved 85 million dollars yeah so of course you have the money <laughs> folks
1: don't realize how much they waste ailey
0: so I, the article closes with a quote from the quality consultant and i want to quote it and say it he said the work from cps staff is another example that quality tools long used in the private manufacturing and service sectors can also bring about positive change in public service Anytime you have a process, you also have an opportunity for process improvement.
1: I agree wholeheartedly.
0: I think that that was a... That was a good one. It is. And it's and close it, to my heart. And, and, that, and that last
1: part, the uh, process improvement. I mean, you know, uh, how many times when you know, if you've been a part of an audit or conducted an audit and, you know, you get to that clause 10 now, and we're talking about continual improvement and you just get the deer in the headlights look or someone gives you uh, what was clearly like a word document where they made a bulleted list of here's the stuff we did that was good this year. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that's a little bit of continual improvement, but how'd you know that you needed to do it? Where did the idea for that improvement for for this new machine come from? Well, how did that go? Did you you get the best solution at the end of the project? Great, it was a good project, but are you happy with everything you got there? If you had it to do again, what would you do different? What are your lessons learned? This stuff gets missed so often.
0: Yeah, and I I think a thing to remember is that evaluating it and looking at ways you can make it better is not a negative thing. No. It's a positive thing, and there's always room for growth.
1: Uh, I think that's a good place to stop.
0: All right. Thanks for listening.
1: Cool.